James Lewis of this stream house, the show that is all about the house. Joining us today is actor Stephen Tolbowski. Stephen, thank you for joining us today. Oh, it's my pleasure, James. Glad to be here. So what are the Tobowski files? Oh, Lord. Uh, well, I guess he would have to say the Tobolowski files turned out to be something different than they started out to be. In 2008, 2008, I broke my neck riding a horse on the side of an active volcano in Iceland. For real. For real. You can't make that up. I come back to the United States after having my head in a brace for a week or so. My doctor in Los Angeles told me that I had a fatal injury. Now, I write now, too. I, I, I write books and things, so I know words have meaning. So fatal, I know it wasn't fatal, but it got me thinking, what if I really died on that mountain in Iceland? What would my, I want my kids to know about me? So when you have a broken neck, there isn't, <laughs> there isn't a lot you can do. I found this out. In fact, James, did you know that when you have a broken neck, you cannot lie down? You have to stay in a vertical position for three months, three months until the neck heals. So I would have to sleep like in a corner to, to where I could be vertical because if you go horizontal, you start to die. So oh. it, it, it was a trying period of time. So I thought, what would my two boys want to know about their dad? And so I started writing these little stories about my life as, as kind of a legacy in case I had really died on that mountain in Iceland. They'd know something about their dad. Now, just about that time, 2008, uh, a student at Harvard, uh, David Chen, had heard some of my storytelling. Uh, there was a storytelling movie, Stephen Tobolowsky's Birthday Party. And through my life, I've always kind of told stories. And he asked me if I had any new stories. And it just so happened I was writing these little stories. And he said, well, he is working at SlashFilm.com, which is a movie podcast. And could I tell some movie stories? So I began... The Tobolowsky Files began with me writing stories from Great Balls of Fire, other movies I was in. And then for the fourth episode, we were time for the fourth episode, my mother suffered a heart attack. It was her second heart attack in about six weeks. The first heart attack, she survived very well. The second one, this one, she did not regain consciousness. I flew back to Dallas and was with her for the last 24 hours of her life, and which was horrible but miraculous, too. Um, amazing things happened in that 24 hours. So the next story I wrote was not a movie story, but the story about the end of my mother's life. I called that story The Alchemist. And it became the fourth story in the Tobolowsky Files. I called David Chin, my producer, and I said, David, I got bad news for you about this fourth story. It has nothing to do with movies, nothing at all. It's about my mother and the day she died. And David said, well, we'll hear it. We'll see it. That story, when it came out, David said, 
Stephen, write whatever kind of story you want. I don't care. This is bad. We're going to go with this. And that story went all over the world. The story about my mother. I started getting letters from England, from Japan, from Germany. You know, the Internet is a funny thing. It goes everywhere. Uh, Eventually, my stories then, instead of being just movie stories, the Tobolowsky files became stories about the first girl I fell in love with when I was eight. (laughs) stories about Groundhog Day, Uh, just about anything in the world. And various uh, journalists would say, this Tobolowsky Files is becoming a collage of a human life. and, And that's what it's become now. James, we have 99 episodes, 99, all three, a lot of, uh, NPR and PRI radio stations have picked them up and played them at midnight or whatever. So now the Tobolowsky Files has led to me taking trips all over the world, telling these stories, two books with Simon and Schuster. So it really turned into something that it was never meant to be at the beginning. You mentioned your two books. You have The Dangerous Animal Club and My Adventures with God. How are they similar? How are they different? Uh, Well, the Dangerous Animals Club is probably covers the first 25 podcast stories of the Tobolowsky Files. It'll include the story of my mother. It will include here. I was held hostage at gunpoint in a grocery store for real. That story's in there. Uh, Those The girl I proposed to uh, when I was five years old, Alice Nell Allen, that story is in there. So that is kind of the Dangerous Animals. Dangerous Animals Club was a club us kids had in Texas when I was really little. And I grew up in the wilds of Texas. I, I grew up, there were more rattlesnakes in my neighborhood than people. So as little kids, we used to go out and try to catch rattlesnakes, tarantulas, scorpions, anything horrible. And I never told my mother what I was doing. I was going out to the creek catching these horrible things. And mom would say, did you have a good time playing with Billy? I go, yeah, we had a real good time, mom. And uh, so that's the Dangerous Animals Club, that particular book. My Adventures with God, I take a look at really like my broken neck story, things in my life that have been really miraculous. And I have beginnings and ends of the story in the Dangerous Animals Club. For example, the story in the Dangerous Animals Club of when I proposed to Alice Nell Allen when I was five. And I I have this trick memory in that I remember a lot of things from my past. And I proposed to her, and I gave her little flowers on her front porch and kissed her on the cheek, and she said, yes, she would marry me. Uh, In my adventures with God, I have a story that happened a few years ago where my brother said, Stephen, you know, an old friend of ours from the old neighborhood, uh, I ran into her at a funeral, uh, Alice Nellan, do you remember her? And I go, oh, God, yes, I remember her. She was the first girl I proposed to. When I was five years old, I was always in love with Alice. And he says, she remembers, and she wants you to call her. Oh. And so my adventures with God has the story 
of the phone call I had with Alice Nell Allen just a few years ago and the story of her life growing up three houses down from me is completely different from anything I could have imagined that uh, she grew up in an abusive home and, and in, in, in Dallas, in Oak Cliff, where we lived. We grew up in what they call a white flight area. Have you ever heard that term before? I've never heard that term before. The white flight area was a sort of legal and real estate way of keeping any black people out of your neighborhood. It was, I, I didn't know this as a child, but I was growing up in a, there were more Nazis, real Nazis living in our neighborhood than there were, our family was Jewish. There were three Jewish families in Oak Cliff where I grew up. Uh, I, I had no idea I was growing up in this environment because my family was full of love and nobody was prejudiced with me. But in our neighborhood, it was, it was a dangerous kind of place to grow out, up. Uh, the only three people that I knew uh, that were black in our neighborhood was our maid, Lenora, Alice's maid, Claudie, and the custodian at my father's medical office, uh, Thomas. They were the three greatest people I knew growing up. <laughs> so the the idea of in kind of legally enforced prejudice had exactly the opposite effect that the founding fathers of our of, of our little district of Oak Cliff had. Uh, Claudie, Alice's maid was the bravest person I ever knew. I had no idea that Alice was being beaten regularly by her parents. I had no idea that once at dinner, her mother pulled out a gun and pointed it at Alice and said, say your prayers because today is the last day you're going to live. Their maid, Claudie, came and stood in between Alice and her parents and said, you will not lay a hand on this child ever again. You will not do that. And Claudie slept with Alice to protect her from her parents coming in beating her night because the parents were afraid of Claudie. And when Alice turned 18, Alice left her home, never to see her parents again. But she worked as a nurse, and she supported Claudie for the rest of her life. And she was at Claudie's funeral, and she brings flowers to Claudie's grave as the bravest and most important person in her life. And as for me, our maid Lenora, <laughs> our maid Lenora this story is also in my adventures with God. Lenora, while she was a maid in our house three days a week, sold Avon products door to door. Lenora was very good at selling Avon products, and she became a district manager of Avon. She became a multimillionaire. Lenora bought our home. She bought our home and every stick of furniture in it because she said to me, Stevie, 
I always wanted to own the house that I worked in. Now, Lenore owns buildings in Dallas. I went to visit her last time I was there, and she gave me a big hug. And I walk into Lenora's home, which is my old home where I grew up as a child, and every stick of furniture is the same. It's like walking into my past. And Lenora said, you would be very happy, Stevie. We've turned your house into a church. And you will be happy to know that a lot of souls have been saved in this living room. Uh, Again, these stories are in my adventures with God. And uh, it was, you know, remarkable things happen in your life. And in a way, (laughs) in a way, quite accidentally, the movie podcast of the Tobolowsky Files has turned into a running list of the remarkable and amazing things that happened in my life. And, and I, and I still get letters all over the world of people saying like, Oh, this same thing happened to me. And so hopefully my books and hopefully my stories on the Tobolowsky files make people recall the absolutely uncanny, amazing things that happened in their life. Definitely. So on one hand, you are really great at remembering things. But on the other hand, you've had times where you've had the amnesia as well. Where I've had amnesia? Yeah. How did you know that? Oh, I I did my research. You did your research. Oh, my God. I I am amazed. Yes, yes, absolutely, James. I had amnesia. And it was a really lucky thing for me in my life. Um. I I have been plagued in my life with kidney stones, and I hear a lot of guys are maybe because we go to the gym, we work out, we get dehydrated, and we take too much vitamin C. So I've ended up in the hospital three, four times uh, with kidney stones. One time, I went, I I had you know that horrible pain, the fever of a hundred five. You know something's terrible. So they rush me to the hospital. They're going to have to do surgery on me to remove the kidney stone. So they use an experimental drug on me, <laughs> an experimental drug. Thank you very much. Uh, we haven't met James, but I'm a big guy. So I'm like six foot three. I, before the pandemic, I used to weigh like 210. Now I weigh like 195. I'm one of the few people that's lost weight in the pandemic. But they gave me an experimental drug to where with, with bigger people, they don't put you to sleep. They make you have amnesia. So you experience the pain, but you don't remember it. So this way, they could give you commands like, Stephen, get up on the operating table, and you'll do it yourself, and you'll, then you'll forget you got on the operating table, but you won't have to have orderlies picking a big person up and trying to put them on the operating table and dropping them on the ground. So they gave me this medicine that, and like any general anesthetic, you know, if you had your tonsils out, you know that it takes several days for the general anesthesia to wear off your body where you'd be just knocked out or whatever. Well, with this medicine, for the next week after I had that surgery, I would have periods of amnesia. Where, where I would be, and, and what it was like, James, it's like, boom, you're born. 
at that moment, born. You have no history of where you've been, where you were, and I'm standing in the living room holding a half-full glass of water. Is the glass half-full or half-empty? I got the half-full glass of water, and I don't know where the glass came from. If I had been drinking water and I drank a half a glass, or if I was headed to the kitchen to fill the glass up again, I had no idea. It became increasingly embarrassing in which I uh, had the product of drinking all that water. I would find myself in our little men's room, and I'm standing over the toilet, and little Stevie, um, I've got, I'm trying to manage little Stevie there, and I did not know if I had just uh, peed or if, if I was waiting to. I didn't know. Finally, my wife yelled from the bedroom, Stephen, you finished 10 minutes ago. Flush the toilet and get out of there. I would not know what happened. As it turned out, not long after this time, I get an audition for a Chris Nolan film, Memento. And I'm reading the script in the part Sammy Jenkins. He's a man who's had amnesia. Well, I'm reading the script, and I'm saying to my wife, Annie, I'm saying, this is like the best script I've ever read in my life. I called up my agent. I said, I have to have an audition for this movie. So I go in to meet Chris Nolan, and he says, well, Stephen, there's not a lot to read as Sammy Jenkins. And I go, Chris, I'm not here to read for you. Um, there's nothing to read. You're right. Sammy doesn't talk that much in the movie, but he's a very important part. I said, you're going to see a lot of people for this movie because this is one of the best scripts I've ever read in my life. But I will be the only actor you see that has actually had amnesia. And I told Chris the story I just told you about the drug, and I got the part of Sammy Jenkins. So it turned out to be my amnesia turned out to be, again, one of the strangest, miraculous things that happened in my life. I mean, it just sounds amazing. Obviously, our listeners need to check out the Tobolowsky Files. Um, uh, one I'm going to ask, or one I'm going to tell you a question, because unfortunately we're running out of time, but I am so proud yes, of sir. this question. I'm so proud of this question. We won't have time to answer it, but what is the biggest movie cast that you've been part of? Was it a cast of thousands? <laughs> I, I feel you would like that joke or feel question. So, uh, but, yeah. The short answer to that, James, is so that people know the cast of thousands was a band I was in in high school, and we were terrible. Uh, I played the bass sometimes. Sometimes I played guitar, but we were picked as one of two, five garage bands in Dallas to record two songs. And our lead guitar player was somebody named Stevie Ray Vaughan. And it turned out our record of cast of thousands is the first studio recording of Stevie Ray Vaughan. He was 14 years old. He was so much better than all of us were. And he made us sound like we knew what we were doing. Yes, cast of that. Yes, that's probably the biggest. <laughs> that's hilarious, James. Thank you for that question. My pleasure. Yeah, I feel. I figured you'd get a kick out of that. So before we let you go, where on social media, where on the web, where can our listeners find out more about your show and your books? Uh, well, you can go 
Um, my website is just my name, stephentobolowski.com, in which you could find out about the podcast and the books. And by the way, the podcast is free, free. No salesman will call. If you go to tobolowskifiles.com, there are all 99 podcasts. You can listen to anyone you want. It's all free. No commercials, no nothing. When we were putting that together, Microsoft offered to do commercials and give David and I money, but we said, no, we don't want any commercial interruption. So TobolowskiFiles.com are the podcast, and StephenTobolowski.com is where you could find the books. And my books are also uh, on Amazon and Audible. I read the book my, I read the books myself. So Amazon and Audible has my adventures with God and the Dangerous Animals Club. That is awesome. Thank you for joining us today. Well, thank you very much for having me. It's a pleasure to be in Ohio again. Appliance Factory of Mattress Kingdom is your kitchen appliance headquarters. Save 30 to 60% every day on everything from LG and GE to KitchenAid and Samsung. If you're considering upgrading your home appliances or mattresses, stop at any one of Appliance Factory of Mattress Kingdom locations. Plus, Mattress Kingdom inside Appliance Factory has largest Tempur-Pedic, Stearns & Foster, and Sealy Selection. Visit ApplianceFactory.com. James Lewis of This Dream House, a show that's all about the house. With us today from iFly is Steve Hunt. Steve, thank you for joining us to discuss the All Abilities program at iFly. James, thank you. Thanks for having us. So what is the All Abilities program? So, James, the All Abilities program uh, was started uh, by a family who had a child that was challenged, and uh, she she create an event so that we could basically highlight the fact that indoor skydiving is for everyone from every every walk of life every challenge whether physical or mental and anyone can fly so we created an event called all abilities night just to highlight that that fact uh we give a special discount rate uh for those who attend the event and anyone can come and watch and currently we've flown anyone from people who are blind uh, to people who are paraplegic and people who don't have limbs. Uh, so we're really excited about it. Personally, I have a personal interest in it. This is one of the things that really drew me to iFly. My son has spina bifida and was born with paralysis from his waist down. So we look for adaptive sports to get involved with that we can all do as a family. I have eight children, and we all like to do sports together. We like to do a lot of things together. One of them was skiing, snowboarding. We got out to Colorado a lot. And that's where, uh, in Orlando, we were introduced to indoor skydiving and realized that this is something that my son can do. Uh, so I have a very special interest in, in this event. Oh, wow. That is uh, phenomenal. That, uh, you're able to uh, uh, take a, a thing that has affected your family and be able to uh, help change lives of others. We were able to share it with everyone, and that's basically what we want to do. Um, we, we have two programs that we're just starting with Children's Hospital here locally in Cincinnati. One of them is called Be Well. And in this program, we host children who have all sorts of disabilities and challenges in their life to be able to bring them in and teach them how to fly. Uh, we're, we're, the goal is to hopefully build this up, as you've probably been told, this is a rapidly growing sport of indoor skydiving. It's very competitive. Currently, there's no adaptive uh, competitive para-athletic league, and the goal is to actually create sort of a groundswell of people that can see that not only can they fly, 
but they can get into this as an adaptive sport to compete in. And so that's that's the goal, that's the hope that, that we start here in Cincinnati and then move to all the other tunnels in, in the world and, and start that. That is remarkable. And definitely working with Children's Hospital, yeah, I was going to say, I can imagine with your son. Uh, my son also uh, is a, uh, a frequent visitor of Children's Hospital, so uh, I, I can relate. He's got uh, Eagle Barrett syndrome, so it's, uh, it's one of those things where we're constantly going there. And that is so remarkable that iFly is giving back and really changing lives by uh, working with uh, Children's Hospital. Yeah, it is. It's great. This is, like I said, my favorite piece, SciFly. Um, it's one thing to teach people how to fly. Uh, it's, it's quite another thing to teach people who can't walk to just skip the walking part and come in here and learn how to fly. Uh, currently, we have uh, one of our sponsors is paralyzed. He has a T4 injury, spinal injury, uh, during a motocross accident. And I, I like to use him as an example because he's, he came in here, uh, he's paralyzed from the chest down, uh, and very limited uh, mobility, of course. Uh, we have special harnesses that are designed by an instructor up in Montreal. They're specially designed to be able to hold um, anyone with different so- sorts of paralysis in place to keep them into a good flying position, and then they can get in here and learn to fly by themselves. And currently, uh, Justin is... He can fly in a belly position and move in all five points of movement by himself unassisted. So it's it's really a miraculous thing. I, I, I want to invite anyone in the area to come and watch this. Um, we do it once a month, first Sunday of every month. We're skipping this Sunday because, as you know, it's the Super Bowl Sunday. Yeah, so it'll be a, <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> Probably not a big show out, you know, uh, for this Sunday, but uh, first Sunday of every month, starting with uh, March 1st, I want everyone to be able to see this, to experience this. When when you see someone who um, has gone through their whole life, you know, comp- competing in high adrenaline sports and doing things like he did his whole life, and then going from that to not being able to walk, um, you know, being bound to a wheelchair, now getting him the freedom to fly his own body around by himself in a tunnel and then to build a competitive environment where he can now compete with his skills is just it's just a miraculous thing and 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 that's what we really really love to see here at iFly Cincinnati so um Another piece to this is is my wife and I started the Corey Hood Foundation. Um, when you came in here, you visited and flew. Is that right? Yes, James? sir. So you saw my brother-in-law. He was up on the wall. He was a big mural up on the wall. His name's Corey Hood, Master Sergeant Corey Hood. He was my partner in crime to bring, to bring iFly to Cincinnati. And we started a foundation in his name called the Corey Hood Foundation. And what we are doing with that is trying to raise money for anyone who needs assistance to be able to come and fly um, that has any sort of disability, including uh, wounded warriors and uh, people who may be suffering from uh, PTSD. So uh, anyone can get involved with that, whether donating or filling out the application to be sponsored by the Corey Hood Foundation. Uh, All they have to do is visit the Facebook site for the Corey Hood Foundation or the website, the CoreyHoodFoundation.org, and get involved there. And it just gives you know back to the you know to the people in the community that can't afford to do this. We have special rates for all abilities night, but still, even when you have all the doctor's bills, as you know, James, uh, uh, with your child. That adds up. Uh, so we want to use this program to alleviate any of this pain. So we don't want to add to it. These people already have things that they're challenged with, their families do. 
And we want to alleviate that and create an environment that they can come, learn how to do something that you can't do anywhere else in the world, and, and not, not have to, to worry about it financially also if possible. Wow, that is uh, that is phenomenal. I mean, how iFly uh, really cares about the community and uh, really wants to uh, change lives, and I mean, is just such a uh, fun and great experience for uh, those people, you know, all people of all ages and abilities. So that sounds remarkable. Before we let you go, where on social media, where on the web, should they check you all out at? So. For the Corey Hood Foundation, which is connected to the adaptive um, uh, piece that we're doing here in iFly, um, that is the CoreyHoodFoundation.org, or they can look up the Corey Hood Foundation on Facebook, and all of those will be connected together. We also have an Instagram uh, that all of that's connected. There is an application for anyone who wants to get sponsorship that needs sponsorship to come in, and we invite them to fill out that application, and then we can try and find sponsorship for them. Um, as far as uh, iFly, if you look that up on Facebook, you can go to iFly, and, uh, and you'll find us there. Uh, and they can, any of them can reach out to myself or Kate personally. Uh, we invite, especially for the adaptive program, I invite anyone to be able to reach out to me personally. Uh, they, I can give you uh, my phone number. Uh, my email is Steve, or I'm sorry, S Hunt, S H U N T, at iFlyWorld.com. And I can give you my number. is 513-678-9823. And I'm happy for anyone uh, in the adaptive community to reach out to me. I'll answer any questions that I can. And, and there's no one uh, that we want to have limit to be able to come in and experience this and hopefully uh, love it so much that they want to get into it uh, competitively. That is remarkable. I uh, really appreciate you all joining us on the show today. Thank you, James. Thanks for having us.